0: I have a few quirks about me. (coughs) Amen, Scott says. I'm hopeful I'm not the only one that has a few quirks. Anybody else have quirks? Okay, a couple of you. One of my quirks is that I don't like to lose things. I'm usually so ordered and detailed in just about every area. Uh, When I get home in 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 the evening, I put my keys on the same shelf every single time. At night and in the morning, when I brush my teeth, I start with the same tooth, and I go the same routine. Some people get medication for that. I call it quirks. I don't like to lose things. It drives me nuts. Uh, Several months ago, I lost one of my favorite books, The Tangible Kingdom, and every time I look at my bookshelf, it grieves me because it's not there. It's my autographed copy. This past week... I lost my little uh, plastic running phone case so it doesn't get wet. And I looked everywhere. Three different times, I was upstairs, downstairs, and every bag I thought it could be. I just couldn't find it. Drove me nuts. Finally, I just like, ah, oh, Fooey!" And I went and got a Ziploc bag to put my phone in. Next morning, before I started to run, there it was. Drives me nuts. I cannot stand losing things. There's an unsettled in my soul when I know something of mine is lost. There's an unsettled in my soul when I know something of mine is lost. We're in a series in the Gospel of Luke called Luke's Favorite Stories. And in Luke 15, which is a very familiar and dearly loved chapter, Jesus told three parables about lost things. Last week, we looked at the parable of the lost sheep, and we came down on the fact that I thought it meant Jesus was telling the religious leaders and the, uh, and the Pharisees that, hey, are you willing to get this close to somebody who is lost, as close as a sheep on a shepherd's shoulders? This morning, we look at another of the lost parables, the lost stories. This one is the story of the lost coin. This is Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Jesus says, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. It's a story. Of the lost coin. Now I want you to look at something with me. Look at the uh, look at verse seven. Uh, in my translation, the words are in red because Jesus is talking here. Now look at verse eight. Was there any break in there? Was there any commentary in between? Does any time pass between these stories? Does does Jesus wait for another round of wine and goat cheese to be passed around the table so that the story of the lost sheep can sink in? It doesn't look like it. It looks like he goes from one story to the next. And this was explained beautifully to me by someone I was having lunch with this past week. He said it's as if Jesus was looking in the eyes of the Pharisees and realized they didn't quite get it. He was telling them the story about sheep, and he saw that maybe they didn't understand. Maybe they just didn't connect with that metaphor of sheep. So Jesus jumps right into another story about a, a, something that they would be very interested in, a topic that was near and dear to their heart. It's a story about money. See, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they, they appreciated, they liked, they valued money. They were the ones that would later send a couple of people to Jesus saying, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? We looked at that story several weeks back. That was about money. In fact, Luke wanted to emphasize that those people liked money. So the next chapter over, chapter 16, verse 14, Luke says, the Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. In the message translation, Eugene Peterson translates that that verse saying the Pharisees were money obsessed. Between the story of the lost sheep and the the story of the lost coin, it looks like Jesus transitions with no break in the stories, hoping to have a breakthrough with those listening, with those he's telling the story to. We're in verse 8 of chapter 15. Or suppose, Jesus says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Suppose, Jesus says, a woman has lost some money. Our text tells us she has ten coins, ten drachma, and each coin was worth a little more than a day's labor. So this wasn't just like us losing a nickel or something. It was a full day plus worth of work. I noticed something from last week. There was 1% that was lost. One sheep out of 100, that's 1%. This week, one coin out of 10, that's 10%. Jesus is showing something's getting more and more important here. There's a couple of theories of what this, this coin that she lost was. One group thinks that this coin was part of the woman's life savings. Jesus was more than likely telling a story about a, uh, a village peasant woman. We know this because a peasant house in that day didn't have any windows. Or, or best case, it may have had one window, a small round window, but it wouldn't have let too much light in. So as Jesus tells us, the woman had to light a lamp to look for it. It's because the house was dark even in the middle of the day. So people make the jump. They say, well, if if she was a peasant woman, and if Jesus is telling her this story, we've got to remember that she lived in a barter system. If she needed milk, she might trade eggs. If she needed olive oil, she might trade a chicken. She wouldn't get into her pocket and break out her coins. That's just not the system that she lived in. So the fact that Jesus tells the story that she lost a coin some people say it makes it evident that that was probably her life savings. Maybe her family's savings. That would really tell us why she's looking so hard for that coin. I mean, if you lost 10% of your life savings, wouldn't, wouldn't you look for it? Yeah, you'd look, you'd look fairly hard for it. That's what one group thinks of this coin. There's another group that thinks that this coin was part of, of the woman's wedding headdress. In that culture... In Palestine, the mark of a married woman was a headdress made of ten silver coins, and it was strung together by a silver chain. For years and years growing up, these young girls would scrape and scrimp and save to get those ten coins. This was equivalent to like their wedding ring, and it couldn't be taken away from her. In fact, it was so valued that one commentator says it was so inalienably hers that it could not even be taken for her if she owed a lot if she had to pay debt. It just couldn't go away. So for her to lose one of these ten coins would be the equivalent of us losing a wedding ring. Women, if you lost your wedding ring, ring, would you look for it? Yeah, okay, a couple of you. Some of you are like, no, I'd go ask for a bigger one. (laughs) Most of you would look for it. No matter which one you want, the woman's life savings or the woman's coin in the headdress, Either story. Jesus is making it very clear to those listening that the thing being searched for had great value. Great value, and who determines the value? The person searching, right? Here's where this, to those listening, could hit home. Or even to us, it could make some connections. God finds great value in us. Romans eight, or excuse me, Romans five, verse eight. Paul says, "But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners." That shows great value. And Jesus had told His disciples before sending them out on a little apprenticeship. He told them this in Matthew 11, Matthew ten. He said, "What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father knowing it." and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, Jesus told them, you are all more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The person searching determines the value. So in the separation between God and man, which sin has caused, God, Jehovah, has lost something which he formerly possessed and is highly valued. A guy by the name of James Boyce wrote a book about the parables of Jesus, and in that he says, we are lost. But even in our lost state, we retain something of the image of God. And God loves us and is determined to find and reclaim us for the sake of his image. This this story isn't so much about this poor little lost coin that's somewhere on the dark floor. The story is about the loss incurred by the owner. The value the owner declares on it. Remember, Jesus is telling the story to the religious leaders and to the Pharisees who would come to him saying, ah, "I don't know about these people getting close to you. Maybe we don't see the value in them like, like you do. Why would they be so valuable?" And yet Jesus says, "Oh, wait, they are valuable." He says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins, loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? I love how Luke brings in the magnifying glass and really emphasizes the search itself. Won't she light a lamp? Won't she sweep the entire house? Won't she search carefully until she finds it? The word for search is used 117 times in the New Testament. It literally means to search for, to seek out. It means to desire something. Listen to one place the apostle Paul uses that same word. This is in Second Timothy. He says, "May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus ones and all his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere." Until he found me. Now listen to how Mary, Jesus' mother, uses that same word when Jesus had stuck around the temple at at age 12 and the entire family had left. Jesus' parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Both of these verses use the same word that Jesus used in this story today in Luke 15. And we see the frantic search of the woman. We saw her lighting a lamp already, showing kind of her poorness. It also shows how far she'll go to find the coin. She wants to make sure any dark corners are illuminated. Any possible place that coin could have gone is looked at. Text says she sweeped the entire house. And maybe the house wasn't all that big, but the floor of the house in a village of, of a village peasants would have been made of beaten earth, covered with dried reeds and rushes. Imagine looking for a coin on that. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. And yet she lights that lamp and she's looking around. She's searching diligently until she finds it. She doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. This speaks of her persistence, her endurance, her determination. A lot of the Living Bible translation says of this verse, she was going to look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she found the coin. She was going to do whatever it took. There's a great Jewish scholar that admitted that this is one of the absolutely new things that Jesus taught men about God that God actually sought and searched for us. Now, had the Jew said, they may have agreed that if a man came crawling home to God, God, I'm sorry, you know, self-abasement type, and he knelt before God praying for pity, the Jew would have said he might get it. But the Jew would have never conceived of God going out and searching for sinners. Although I'm not sure why they wouldn't have conceived of it. They knew their scriptures well, and they had to have thought back to the passage in Ezekiel. This passage talks about sheep, but it fits really well with our story today. Ezekiel 34, God speaking to those in leadership in Israel. And he says, you have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Verse 8, as surely as I live, the sovereign Lord says, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you did not search for my sheep when they were lost. God's not a big fan of his leaders not searching for his sheep. They did not light a lamp. They didn't sweep the floor. They didn't get get on all fours and look. So God says, look at what I'm going to do. This is still Ezekiel 34 verse 11 now. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, "I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered sheep, excuse me, a scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day." Verse 15, I myself will tend my sheep, God says, and give them a place to lay down in peace. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and will bring them home safely again. Those listening to Jesus tell that story should have had their memories jogged to that passage. Jesus was saying God would search. God will search. God does search. And when he finds the lost, he will bring them Back home. The psalmist says it very nicely, Psalm 1828. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. The woman in today's story does the same thing. And I see beauty in the woman's pursuit, in her utter determination to search for, until she finds the thing that she has so much value in. I told you earlier that I don't like to lose things. And as I was thinking about that this past week, I think I narrowed it down to one childhood event that just kind of set that off in me. When I was a kid, my favorite toy was a Transformer. This was back before these new Transformer movies came out. You know, these were the things that were ordinary, everyday things that would then transform into these mega cool, like super stud machines. Boys, anybody have those growing up? Okay, a few of them. My favorite toy was a transformer that transformed into a rock. You guys are laughing, thinking, man, it could have been like a truck. No, back before I had that toy, you know what I played with? Rocks. Okay? So to have a machine that transformed into a rock, I thought that was just utterly cool. Well, my siblings and I, we had to walk across a field that was about 400 yards long to get from our house to school. And I always took my favorite toy with me, and when I went into the school, I transformed it into a rock because no teacher is going to take away a rock from a little kid, okay? I remember vividly the day this happened. I left school, and I was running with my transformer rock in the pocket across this 400-yard field trying to get home as fast as I could to play with my favorite toy. And when I got home, it was gone. I went across that 400-yard field three, four times that day. You know, and then several times over the days to come, but that transformer looked like every other rock in that field. I never found it. It was lost. It was gone forever. Gone for good. In this story today that we're looking at, Jesus says the woman lost a coin. Last week, The shepherd lost a sheep. Now there is tremendous amount of weight in this word lost in the Greek. It can be translated simply as a verb to lose, but it also means to destroy. It means perishing with the resultant death being permanent. Let that sink in for a moment. This word lost in these parables means to fully destroy, to be cut off entirely, violently, completely perished. It implies a permanent destruction by experiencing a miserable end. Jesus is painting a picture here using a word that has got to be connected back to people. that has got to be connected back to the people who he was drawing near to. I believe this is the main point of the text, and it comes with an understanding of a word we may normally miss. See, when we hear the the word lost, and we think of these parables, we know the end. Okay, the shepherd found his lost sheep. Okay, the the woman found the lost coin. You know, maybe we think back to a time when we were younger, and uh, our parents thought they lost us in the department store. Okay? We were actually just hiding under that clothes rack. But well, mom and dad thought we were lost uh, until they, you know, opened the clothes up from that wreck. And we may have some warm, fuzzy feelings about that, thinking, oh, that was fun. I wasn't really, really lost. Jesus isn't going with this nice picture of lost. He's painting a mental picture of utter destruction, of what cannot be found. So it's no wonder in this story the woman searches and searches and searches until she finds her coin. She does not want it gone forever. No wonder the shepherd searches and searches and searches until he finds the sheep. He does not want it gone forever. I've got to believe that those listening to Jesus that day, they had to have made the connection to the people around him. If Jesus didn't find them, allowing them to draw near to him, there was the potential they would be lost forever. They would be cut off from God. An utter, perishable, eternal demise. Lost. Gone. Forever. This changes the fervency. The understanding of the necessity of searching for what is lost. Without something searching for it, it could be gone forever. Now let me personalize that. This changes the fervency and the understanding of the necessity of searching for who is lost. Because without someone searching for him or her, they could be gone forever. At this point in the story, I wonder if those listening understood. I wonder if they made that connection that Jesus made moving from a sheep parable to a money parable. I don't know if they did. I don't know if it was still unclear to them. But I want to make it very, very clear to us And do this in three steps. First, you are extremely valuable to God. Period. You are extremely valuable to God. Secondly, God has, God will, God does search for you diligently, passionately, with a sense of urgency. You are searched for. Maybe that's why you're here today. Third, if you are lost and you do not accept God finding you, there is a permanence to your condition. Ending life on this earth lost means you may perish. You may be separated from God forever. I want to put it this way. What's the most famous verse in the Bible? John 3.16, right? Listen to it. For God so loved the world, this shows he has great value in the world. It shows he's got great value in us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. To me, this screams being willing to light a lamp, to come down to the dark corners of this earth, seeking and searching for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Perish. Where have we heard this word? It's the same word that Jesus uses in this parable for lost. So hear it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in his son should not be lost forever, but have life. Everlasting with him. And when that person is found, listen to what Jesus says Luke 15, 10. In the same way, there will be joy in the presence of God's angels, even when one sinner repents. I want to ask you today are you lost? Is today the day you have finally been found? Do you want to bring some joy to the presence of God's angels this morning? If your answer to any of these questions is yes, today might be the day you need to take a step. And just so that it is not done out of emotions, we want to take some time just to let this settle. Austin's going to keep playing in the background, just a 30 seconds or so of time in reflection. We'll let you think about the story that Jesus has told, the implications it has for you. I encourage you, just kind of bow your heads. Let the mental pictures that could have come through this story float through your head. And let's, let's just think on it for a second. There are those of you who said yes to any of those questions. If you realize you have been lost, but today you have been found, I want you to talk to God about it. So in the quietness of your own heart, let him know that you are grateful that he has found you. Let him know that you're tired of being lost in the darkness of life. Ask him to forgive the things that have separated him from you, the sins in your life that have kept you lost. God is faithful to forgive those. Your prayer in your own heart does not have to be eloquent. It just needs to be from you, from your own heart, in your own words. i give you a moment, just in quiet, if you are sensing that God wants to find you today to pray that prayer. commentator says, apart from God, know now that you are valuable to God, even in your lost condition. You may be worthless in your own sight because you can only see what you have made of yourself, but you should know without a doubt that you are valuable to God because unlike yourself, he is able to see what you were created to be and what he can yet make of you. Today might be the day you have been found. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a closing song. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you have been lost and are now found, I'd, I'd love it if you came and told me. I'm going to go back into the prayer corner won't make a big spectacle of you i simply want to pray with you and i want to celebrate with you along with the angels in heaven who would be celebrating for one repentant sinner let's stand together and worship our lord